Welcome to Breaking Belt, the podcast where we dissect the chemistry. I am Matt. And I am James. And today we are breaking down the latest episode of Breaking Bad, if you're getting this uh, when it's released. But anyway, the episode is 512-604, Rabbit Dog. And we have just reached the halfway point in the last eight episodes. We've only got four episodes now. We're down to the final four, James. We are? Secrets will be revealed. Wait, I'm thinking of uh, Balsar Galactica in the, the final five. Jesse is a Cylon. They're all Cylons. Jane was a Cylon. You you will rain bitchiness down upon them, Pinkman. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, uh, like I said, the fourth episode of eight. And well, after this, it just seems like it's going to be all downhill. Uh and before, before, well, actually, let's let's get like, what were your overall like thoughts on this episode? The episode as a whole, how did you feel about it? Uh, I think it's probably one of the strongest of the season so far. Hmm. Which did, which I tend to say a lot. But every episode seems to outdo the one before it. Yeah, I think the thing I liked most about this episode was it seemed that it took. It's time. It wasn't as rapid fate, rapid paced as some of the episodes of this season have been, especially like the second episode was like that breakneck speed in like the last, uh, I don't know, 15, 10 minutes of, uh, the, of this last episode that we had. Confessions was like that. But this one, it was more slow and it was more about uh, just how these characters were interacting with each other because pretty much like they were like, Let's see two really big scenes just of people talking that was i mean that's pretty much what the whole episode was was people talking and i think it worked real well and it really set up you know the pieces for what may happen in these you know in these next few episodes and the funny thing is that even though it was much slower paced than this season has been it still felt like it got two episodes worth of content in it mm-hmm and which is kind of interesting because I think I really enjoyed like the the way that this epi- this show this episode was filmed because the way they put like the White family on the timeline and they put Jesse and Hank on a timeline and how they kept flashing back and stuff and how like that interlocked it was a little more it was a little experimental but yeah. I think it worked pretty well because if at this point, if the show can't experiment with something this far into the run, some people would say that's maybe you don't, you know, you, you've got to, you see the finish line, don't get fancy, but I think it worked out pretty well. I always get fancy towards the finish line. I never complete a race, but God, I look beautiful as I do it. My silk scarf. You're like a precious peacock out there when you're in your race. You know, let's talk about the direction of that first scene. The cold opening where oh yes 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 where Walt, right. go, where Walt goes through the house for four hours and it's the most <laughs> riveting thing you've ever seen yeah um just one of the things I did like about that was when they showed him like sweeping the rooms of his house they didn't you didn't actually get to see him go into any room yeah because you'd be like oh god is this gonna be it no and that long shot of of him going into that last room and has the camera starts to pull away. Was just uh, that was just because like I listened to um, I think it was it was Monday I listened to the Breaking Bad Insider podcast you know they have like writers and Vince Gilligan and stuff they talk about the episode and they no, listen to how, your fancy Breaking Bad podcast but they talked about how um, they had uh, hold on what's his name 
Uh, hold on, hold on. What's his name? Sam Catlin, who was the writer and director for this episode. He said the reason they did that was to kind of like make the camera into a person. And, you, you know, if you're watching this guy with a gun going into this, this is the only room in the house he hasn't checked. You know, if somebody's going to be, if somebody's in the house, he's going to be in there. So this is sort of like the viewer backing up and, and like wincing for the inevitable like gunshot that you're going to hear. And that's what they said. That was what they were trying to do. And I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, seeing had a very Coen Brothers feel to it. Yeah, that was great. And I don't think it really surprised anyone that you know Jesse wasn't gunned down. Uh, but it, it still did a great job of being tense. I thought. The yeah, it's great. Point. Yeah, it's great whenever a show is so well done that even though you kind of know how certain things are going to play out, there's still that tension there. Like you know. There's, you know Jesse's going to be around till the end of the series. You know Walter. Nothing's going to happen to him because he's in the flash forward. But there's still that tension there. That's very impressive. Exactly. Uh, there's Walt doing his thing with the carpet cleaners. And another one of the very much uh, shows that have come to be one of the trademarks of Breaking Bad, they get a POV shot of the carpet cleaning. And why can't they stick a camera on on this show? I swear, you know, last week it was a gas can. They've had like a Roomba, a shovel. You know, they they get through the perspective of everything in this world. It turns out the entire show has been told from the carpet's point of view. It's the real star. <laughs> the only thing they haven't done that I'm disappointed is they haven't done the POV of someone getting a colonoscopy. <laughs> Still waiting for a meth pipe POV. Yeah. If only Walt had uh, stomach cancer instead of, you know, uh, lung cancer, but... Again, you know, we see at the at the end of like you know this little scene with the carpet cleaners, we see Walt reach out to Jesse, and I think maybe we'll talk about it later, but it kind of shows like something that I think was alluded to in season three, I think, by Gus, where he says that you know one of Walt's biggest weaknesses is Jesse because yeah. of how. He, you know, he's attached to Jesse. He, he's sentimental towards Jesse, and even when Jesse tries to burn down his house, he still seems like he wants to forgive him for the most part. And do you think that's him genuinely caring for Jesse, or just him not wanting to get rid of him? I, I don't know. I, 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 I'd like to think it's him caring about him, just because as we see later, how he. Twice, you know, someone mentions something about taking care of Jesse, and he kind of refuses both times, as we see at the very end of the episode, that you know, no matter what he thinks that Jesse can survive. Because at least, at least with Walt, he doesn't want to hurt Jesse if, if he can help it. That's what I think. But who, who knows? I mean, I think it's open to interpretation depending on you know, where your point of view is because, you know – the this is a guy who's you know, actually obviously not a good guy, but but I don't know. But I wonder if that if Walt does feel like any genuine uh, connection with Jesse is that more? Uh, do you think that's more Walt just being guilty for what he's done for Jesse, or do you think there's an actual connection there? I don't think it's necessarily guilt. I don't think Walt feels guilty about anything he's done to Jesse. Well, maybe just... not so much guilt as obligation. Like, oh. I've done this to this person, so I have to do right by him. Mm. I don't know. It could, that could be it because it, if that was the case, it sort of echoes something 
that uh, that Marisa, uh, not Marie, the uh, Skylar says later on, but uh, we can get to that later. But yeah, going back to the to the gasoline scene, mm. I love the this entire sequence with Walt constructing this elaborate, ridiculous lie that's yeah. immediately found out. And that's what I just love because I don't know if you're like me, but I, I think about halfway through, I really started to feel uncomfortable because you could tell. By the look on Skylar's face, you could tell by the look on Junior's face that they weren't buying it. Although they were, you know, they weren't buying it for different reasons. And I do feel kind of disappointed that, you know, Junior, while he called Walt out on his BS, he didn't call him out like I wanted him to. I know you're Heisenberg, Dad. Yeah. I just want to see, like, uh, him going into Walt Jr.'s room, and he's got, like, a pork pie and sunglasses. What are you doing? I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> Heisenberg out. Yeah. But away. what was kind of interesting was that by Walt Jr. not understanding what uh, was going on, like, he, he, see it, he saw it as BS, but he, pretty, he gave Walt a better lie to use, you know, one that could play on sympathy more. I mean, if there was a chance that Skylar would actually believe him, I thought, I thought it was kind of interesting because once he saw that, wait a minute, that's a better lie. He said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And he, although he over-embellished way too much, he, he had like, I think I've heard somewhere like one of the details, one of the most important things is when you tell a lie is throw in some sort of personal detail that makes you look stupid because people will be more inclined to believe it if something happened to make you look stupid because – you, know, you wouldn't lie if you thought it made you like an idiot, is what people say. But I'm glad that after six seasons, Skyler and Walt Jr. finally realize what a bad liar Walt is. Yeah, but he's a heck of an actor, as we saw last week. But uh, he's made of pixels. <laughs> um, I think this is all takes place in the same go. They go to the hotel, and then. Walt and uh, Walt and Saul and Saul's guy. Uh, I can't remember. I can't. I, I never forget. Can remember his name. I remember him as his real name, uh, Bill Burr. It's Bill uh, Burr. It's the yeah. comedian Bill Burr after falling on hard times. That's what he does on the side. You know, stand up doesn't. You know, it doesn't pay all the bills. Uh, how uncomfortable was that scene with serious Saul? I know it was. He, he seemed very much muted. I, I wasn't used to that, but he still has some pretty funny lines because I think I liked when uh, <laughs> when he when when Walt saw his face, he's like, "Oh God!" He's like, "Don't worry, deep down, he really loves me." He did like the the classic battered wife joke. Always funny. <laughs> joke it's like, about that's your wife. kind of humor. Yeah, exactly. I hope if better call Saul does happen, we get a scene of him in his dojo. <laughs> Um, someone said someone was I don't know. This is again people looking. I feel like people looking too far into things, but uh, they said that Saul was dressed like Tony Montana in this scene. <laughs> like he was wearing the color scheme of Tony Montana. What does that have to do with anything? You know, Saul wanted to look cool. I guess it's yeah. I guess it's a cool like aesthetic choice, but I mean Saul is not Tony Montana. We've established this. I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned Tony Montana, because one of the things I was going to bring up is uh, the very Scarface vibe I got from the whole hotel sequence. 
just the shots of Walt by the pool, like it's his mansion. Mm, like I half expected uh, a balloon flashing "The world is yours" to fly by the screen. Um, yeah, and that's something that I thought I saw someone on the internet mention that Walt always gets real reflective when he's around water. You know, when he's by a pool, because like I think he was sitting in the pool in the pilot. He made his decision to, you know, to want to cook meth. So, yeah, this whole episode had a very fall of an empire feel to yeah. it. Um, and then uh, after the stuff with, uh, with with Walt, where of course we they get the they drop in the name, the rabbit dog thing, and the, you know Saul's old yeller metaphor. I kind of like that Walt caught him on his bullshit, you know. <laughs> Like Belize, oh yeah, you're just full of colorful metaphors lately, aren't you, Saul? But I wonder if I saw some people didn't like Saul in the scene, and maybe it's because he was being serious. And I wonder if because of what he's suggesting, because now it's Jesse he's suggesting to kill, because he suggested people get killed a lot in this this you know this series. Anything to save his neck, you know. He talked about killing Hank earlier. There was a few times he talked about killing people. Like he was willing to killed. kill Badger. Yeah, exactly. The heart of this show. The reason why maybe Saul's so gung ho to have these people killed because he's not going to do it, you know. So you know he just has his people go out or whoever it is he hires to take care of them. But I wonder if like Saul Saul stick is starting to wear thin on maybe not just Walt but us as the viewer because like I said now he wants to get rid of Jesse who. No one wants to get rid of. No viewer wants to get rid of. I think. Yeah, I think it's easy to kind of feel a weird affection towards Saul because of how lovably sleazy it is. But it is important to remember he is in a complete scumbag. Yeah. Which I think some viewers kind of forget. Yeah, and then, like I've said though, if uh, on any other show he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be lovable. Saul, he'd be the scumbag. Uh, drug lawyer from the wire, uh, who uh, you would you would love to hate. He was like the the most hateable character in the show. He's like, like a yeah. Law and Order SVU lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Um, better than a Law and Order judge who just allows anything. <laughs> Ten thousand letters to Santa Claus, all allowed. <laughs> Watch yourself, McCoy. Um, but yeah, after the scene with you know, of course, Walt. He says, no, I'm not going to have Jesse Q. Are you crazy? You know, he doesn't want, you know, again, that goes back to, is it sentimentality or does he feel like, like you said, is it guilt that wants him to spare Jesse or just because he likes him? He doesn't want, I mean, you know, he's like, I think someone had an at metaphor one time that uh, Walt Jr. is Walt's son. Jesse is Heisenberg's son is the way they framed it. I mean, very much there is that paternal relationship with the two of them, and who wants to, you know, kill their child? Except, you know, bad people, but I don't know. Well, Walt is pretty bad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, um, but yeah, after this with Saul and Kubi, I remember his name. I looked it up. Hey, ah. Fuck um, your Google. Kubi, I still like Bill Burr. That's a better name, personally. That sounds like a guy who you call to get stuff done. TV's Bill Burr is what it says yeah. in the script. <laughs> but yes, uh, Walt goes back to the hotel room, and naturally, he's lying again. And once again, we get a scene of Skyler immediately calling Walt out on his bullshit. Yeah. And I did like, 
like how offended he got when he you were spying on me. Well, I was talking to my mob lawyer. Yeah, and I love her response. Yeah, and I'm so broken up about it. Everybody's just giving Walt shit this episode. I know everybody hates Eisenberg Walt. I mean, to, Eisenberg doesn't have to deal with this sass. I mean, it's not like you know he's he's killed people, right? I mean, he's oh wait, he has. Okay, um, never mind. He's killed people, but he was never sarcastic about it. No, I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but yeah, after uh, that that little brief exchange, they get into probably one of the the key conversations in a whole episode that's uh, centered around conversations. And some people have said this was where Skylar she took her last step. Like you know, after this, she's unforgivable now because. She's essentially in full-on, like, Lady Macbeth mode, Golden Walt, you know, into killing Jesse. I think this was – my first thought was this was her first step into Heisenberg territory. Because this is the first time we see her – well, maybe not the first time, but this is where we see her fully using Walt logic. Of, yeah. Well, it, it's just one more death. Yeah. It, it's for the greater good. Uh-huh. It's not going to matter in the end. If this and, like – was it in the second episode where, you know, she said that, you know, our best course here is you know, just to stay the course. She used she used very much the same words that Walt used when he confronted Hank about, you know, if they didn't have any proof, just leave us alone is what, you know, essentially she was saying. But, but yeah, um, and I saw, like, a lot of people feel like, again, this is, you know, more people are going to jump on the Skylar hate wagon now because of this, but... If you look at it from her perspective, uh, and the same thing applies later when Hank and Jesse start, you know, interacting with each other, but they don't have the same context that we have as viewers when it comes to Jesse. They think Jesse's just a little tweaker meth head who's killed killed people. Yeah, from Skylar's point of view, this is just Walt's hitman turning against him. Yeah, exactly, and... She's like I, she's only had two scenes with Jesse the whole entire you know there's that dinner scene from you know last season or this season what do you want to say um, and then there was I think it was from the second episode whenever it was that like she confronted Jesse at his house with the RV and stuff uh, my name's Skylar White yo is what you know she famously said but other than that like you know she she doesn't know about Jesse she doesn't know what Walt has put Jesse through what Walt has done to Jesse. Even now, at this time, when he tries to explain himself to Skylar, he's still saying, "Yeah, I did something, but I did it for the right reasons." You know, which is he's, which I thought was very telling. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about uh, maybe Walt feeling as though he owes something to Jesse. I think maybe one of the reasons Walt is so reluctant to kill Jesse is because he needs for Jesse to forgive him. Yeah. Because he says that very clearly. Well, I'm going to make him understand why it had to be done. He's yeah. going to understand. That's that's very good. Um, like I said, the the guy who is the director and writer, Sam Catlin, he mentioned that um, he calls Skylar's reasoning. This is this thing I don't know if you've heard. It's called the fallacy of costs. It's more or less apply, applied to like gambling and like the mindset of like gamblers and stuff because <clears throat> you know if you're down so much already you know if you quit 
when you're down. At this point, you've lost so much to quit means that it was for nothing. So you just keep gambling, betting big, and just hope you win. And that's sort of what Skylar's doing here, or that's her her reasoning. You know, we've we've killed so many people, or he's killed so many people. He's responsible for so many deaths to let this one guy slip up and maybe kill Walt and have all that violence and all that you know chaos be for nothing would be pointless is what she's thinking so you know, like you like like she said what's one more and i think after that don't we don't we skip ahead to or we skip back actually we become unstuck in time and go back yeah. to the jesse timeline <laughs> the, the name um, of a science fiction book he wrote when he was in summer camp hank is actually a time traveler those <laughs> minerals gave him powers god damn you mineral man Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, we see, like I said, we see uh, Jesse again in full on rage mode as it was in the end of the episode. And nice touch, the music is the exact same as it was in the episode uh, where he's throwing gasoline on the house. And who walks in but Hank? And like like I said earlier, a lot of people saw this coming, or they figured something like this was going to happen because you know as we see in the flash forward. The house isn't burnt down. I mean, may have had some fire damage, but it was all right. And then you know, that little scene where they confront each other, I thought Aaron Paul, because the first two episodes of the season, he's pretty much, he, he's done great stuff, but it's been more subtle and quiet and things like that. But, you know, this last episode, and especially this scene right here where he just, just yells, like he puts all that, anger and sadness and stuff that someone would have or you know he tells hank he can't keep getting away with it you know mr white can't he's still calling him mr white he can't keep getting away with it and i thought that was very powerful yeah this is the first time the whole season we've seen him in full jesse yeah um and i believe you know hank of course says why don't we burn him down together using again another using very, justice yeah, using justice and using another line that proves me, I think, Dean Norris should be the next Batman. He <laughs> could be Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. We're going to get the Joker. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they they leave the house, and he gets in Hank's car, and there was like a moment, I thought it was weird at first. It looked like Hank was going for like, a, there was going to be, oh, there was going to be another awkward hook. Or, but he's reaching across and giving him the seatbelt. Did you did you catch up on that, or did you notice, think of anything like that when you saw it? I don't think Dean Norris has ever hugged any man, so the the thought never crossed my mind. But <laughs> it is it is an interesting observation. Yeah. And there's well, another observation that somebody online pointed out that you were showing me before the episode. Yeah. That Jesse seems to ride in the passenger seat alongside bald man a lot on this show yeah i mean first walt then mike now hank i think it's sort of uh i think there may be a metaphor there i'm not sure but the whole idea of how jesse is constantly in the passenger seat how he's always mike not so much but especially walt and we see this episode hank you know he's he's nothing to them but uh a pawn in their schemes. And yeah, he's always in the passenger seat. Someone else is driving the car. Um, I thought that was, I, like I said, I didn't catch it either. 
until someone showed this, but this one I thought was kind of what they were trying to say. Just my opinion. Um, but yeah, we see as Hank and uh, <laughs> Hank, Hank and Jesse drive away. Walt pulls up, and did what do you think about that scene? Do you think that was kind of like too fictionally that they pull they drive away and seconds later Walt comes around the corner like it's too coincidental or whatever you want to call it that that happened or do you think it worked? I don't think it's a good time to be pointing out coincidences now. Yeah, that's, there's a yeah, lot of coincidences is, on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, this uh, that's why I feel like pretty much no TV show. Every TV show is like that. So I mean, not even TV. It's one of those things where you just have to say it's a story. Deal with it. Yeah, exactly. That kind of, that's that what, kind of stuff just happens sometimes. Yeah, I didn't really have any plans, but it was my brother, Mister Nitpicky, who he pointed. Oh, I hate that. Like, well, shut up. No one asked you what you thought, bitch. <laughs> And then I put Lily of the Valley in this food. He's going to die now, so Go be like season six, Jesse, and don't talk for a few weeks. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, Hank takes Jesse home to his house. He, Jesse crashes. He tries to get Marie out of the house. But I, I kind of like the fact that Marie, she refused to go, especially when she found out what was going on. Because you know, once he once he he told her that this guy that he had was going to uh, going to help him against Walt, you know, she's like, "All right, good." Yeah, Marie's become kind of a badass this season. Yeah, and a badass with murder on her mind, <laughs> as we'll get to in, in in a little bit. But but yeah, Jesse crashes because apparently uh, I I thought at first it was meth he took, but apparently it was cocaine that. He snorted because they, it's a very little subtle thing that you don't necessarily notice at first. But that CD that was, you know, on the dash of Saul's Saul's car had like lines on it where Jesse had snorted some cocaine. Apparently, the the thing is that they don't show it, but Saul Saul had a little nose candy in his uh, in his house or in his car, and so. That's where they deal with that. But at first, I thought at first I thought Walt was just horrified by Jesse's taste in music. He was listening to that hippity hop. <laughs> he is on uh, the warpath. Yeah. But yeah, Jesse, uh, he crashes at Walt at uh, I'm gonna say Walt Hank's house. Gets up and I, I like that little shot of him looking at the pictures and seeing Walt's Santa Claus with Skylar on his lap. I thought he was like. I don't know, like, what I felt like Jesse was like, huh, you know, this is the guy that done all this stuff to me, and there he is, you know, acting, I guess, like a normal person. That's him when he had hair. And again, someone else off the internet turned that into a meme that Mr. White is Santa Claus. Nah, bitch. And actually, Brian Cranston, I don't know if you've ever seen those a movie, I think in 2001, 2002. Where he was Santa Claus, where he played like something like Santa, like a Disney Channel movie. That's disturbing. Yeah, he was churning out the white stuff. <laughs> Snow. Nothing stops this sleigh. Nothing. We never stop producing toys. <laughs> I want to be a dentist, bitch. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, Jesse wakes up. Marie offers him delicious frozen lasagna. Yeah, as Jesse's probably used to, as we, as they established, you know, 
last year. The dude loves eating frozen meals. He just has a problem with the with the little scabby. He gets all scabby. That's a problem I often find when I eat lasagna. That's the moment where we truly connected with Jason, with Jesse Pinkman. His <laughs> struggles were our struggles. Exactly. Um, but but yeah, Jesse comes into the the purple living room. God, that purple. Um, the purple palace. The purple palace, yeah. And Hank is there sending a videotape, video record, and Gomez is with him. Gomi has been brought into the thing. And did you find that interesting that Gome, like he was there? So what does that mean for Hank now that he's finally, obviously he's let someone else into his secret, you know? It is interesting that him telling Gomez about Walt would happen off screen. That yeah. was a curious decision, but yeah. I guess these Which, episodes are as jam-packed as possible. What I've seen people debating, now does he know about Walt's confession? Did Has Hank showed him that, or is that something Hank's still keeping between him and Marie? Because I feel like if... Do you think him saying Walt's confession would uh, cause Gomez to... Maybe Gomez reacts a different way. Maybe he doesn't go along with it. Maybe he wants to do the investigation by himself because he thinks maybe... Hank's tainted because there's a few times that I see Hank, not Hank, but Gomez looks at Hank kind of questioningly, you know, uh, about what he's doing. So obviously Gomez has his doubts here about, you know, them going after Walt of all people. Yeah, I don't think Gomez would ever believe that. The confession, you don't think so? No. Gomez doesn't play that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he would necessarily believe it, but you know, just to cover all your bases, there there are you know agents of the law and stuff. But um, and then here comes another crackpot theory that I saw. But uh, when Marie gives Jesse a coffee cup, this DEA coffee cup, and someone said that you take the DEA and you, you take the handle as an extra D, it spells out dead. Does that mean? <laughs> does that mean Jesse is marked for death? She put the risin in his coffee. That's why she was talking about poisons earlier. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, after some convincing, Hank gets Jesse to tell him and Gomi all he knows about Walter White slash Heisenberg, and uh, after that. I don't think they skip again. Do they skip back to Walt and whatever he's doing? I can't remember. I don't think they I don't do. No. Okay. Let's pretend well, they don't. Okay, we'll just keep going with this. But yeah, um, after the confession, pretty much Gomez tells Hank that, yeah, it's good and all, but we don't really have, there's nothing we can use. I mean, and Jesse even says that it's his word against Walt's. And who's, who, who is the jury going to believe? They're always going to believe Walt, you know, no matter what, no matter what kind of confession you try to give. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think what else in that scene. Uh, I don't know. That's oh, oh. I suggest him wearing the wire, which I'm going to say again. Lindelof was right. <laughs> Damn it. Damn you, Lindelof. So, so didn't make Prometheus any better. Uh, Fuck you, to Prometheus was awesome. Breaking uh, belt no more. And one thing I found interesting too is in this scene where he's just wearing a wire, like Jesse just lay I think Jesse pisses off Hank right here because he just lays it out Hank to Hank, you know, Walt is better than you, he's smarter than you, 
he's luckier than you, as we've seen. You know, Walt is is exceptionally lucky on this show, and you know you can't catch him if you know it's not necessarily like I think the, what Jesse's trying to imply. It's not that he's your brother-in-law. Why you couldn't? Why you never realized it? It's just because he's that good. And like I said, I think that pisses off Hank just a little bit to have someone tell him that. And it goes him a little bit. And then there's the whole thing about Jesse kind of – he builds walled up to mythological proportions almost where he's – you know, Mr. White is the devil. And I think I think that, that's pretty correct. Or as much as a devil as we can get on this show. Yeah, I think Jesse actually is right on the money when he says that. Walt's going to be able to outsmart them on virtually any tactic. Yeah. But I think I think Hank is also right when he says that Walt's one weak point is Jesse, as we see yeah. later. Yeah, and I thought that was ex- uh, excellent the way that Hank break kind of breaks down point by point, you know, about all this terrible stuff that Walt did. But he's like, you know, he actually did it for you. And that I was like, oh, no, because I was like, maybe he's going to make – you know, without even realizing he's going to pull, turn Jesse away back to Walt because maybe Jesse's going to realize uh, what, like, like I said, like Walt's done all this stuff for him. And plus, Hank's attitude, because once, pretty much once, <laughs> this is why you don't talk to the cops. Kids out there listening, don't snitch. <laughs> because, like I said, once he gave Jesse that, once Jesse gave Walt, uh, shit, Walt. Um, once Jesse gave Hank that confession, the good cop goes away. Hank is now, you know, he is a son of a bitch. You know, he is prepared. Like he, that that confession, he has leverage on Jesse now. Jesse does probably doesn't realize that when he's telling him, but he admits to all this stuff that he did, killing Gail, probably, you know, being party to several murders. I mean, Hank can do whatever he wants. Uh, Jesse now, you know, unless with the threat of him going to prison, and he uses that threat in the scene, you know, either you wear the wire or you're off, you know, to state prison playing drop the soap with some guy. Which, to be fair, is a pretty good deal. Yeah. Well, we definitely see that uh, Jesse is absolutely nothing to Hank but a pawn, and he yeah. would be more than willing to sacrifice him to get to Walt. Yeah. And again, I think this goes back to like with Mer- with Skylar. We don't have any context, uh, like or Hank doesn't have any the same context that he has or that we have, you know, uh, when it comes to Jesse. Because I mean, the only times Hank has ever interacted with Jesse has been in the interrogation room, and when he beat him and threatened, and Jesse threatened to sue Hank and you know uh, get Hank kicked kicked out of the DEA, and obviously there's animosity between these two characters and. He has no qualms whatsoever, and I think it it plays to maybe showing Hank's obsession with with Walt, with catching Walt that he's willing to maybe do some questionable stuff to to get Walt to, to catch his man, as it were. That's my prediction. Eventually, Hank is forced to sacrifice Gomez in his quest to defeat Walt. Uh, the one he his he has to sacrifice his one true love. I guess before we go back to really, there's only really other one other scene with Walt before we get to the last scene, and that's just uh, 
Walt and Walt Jr. hanging out by the pool where they talk about cancer and stuff. And pretty much the only thing I can think of, like the highlight to me in this scene is where when Walt says to Junior, you know, you think I'm afraid of cancer. You think, you know, I've been through all this stuff just to lose the cancer. You know, I'm going to fight and all this stuff. To me, it feels like this is the first time that Walt's being genuine with Junior in quite a long time. Because I feel like this is sort of his alter ego seeping through when him being all cocky and braggadocious about, you know, he know he's not afraid of cancer and all this stuff. I think so. Yeah. I also think he's also in a way not just talking about cancer, but talking about Jesse and Hank. Just nothing yeah. is gonna stop him now. Exactly. Did you get the feeling from that scene that this might be the last time we see Walt Junior and Walt talk to each other? It had a very climactic, well, not necessarily climactic, but it had almost a foreboding feel to it. Like, this is it um, for them. I think it plays into, like, a theory that I have later that maybe, yeah, I, I feel like this could be, like, one of the last good times the two of them have. But, uh, yeah, after we see them at the pool, and then, like I said, I'm not sure when this, because this, this scene's so isolated from everything else, but we see Marie... Finally, we get to see uh, Dave, her therapist, the guy she's talked about for so many seasons. We get to see her in therapy, and Marie is – she's got murder on her mind. Well, you know, there's no two ways about it. And rightly so. Yeah. Well, I think I was wondering was, are these mur- murderous feelings exclusively to Walt, or do they extend to Skylar as well? Hmm. I don't know. I would think they're just geared towards Walt because – I think while she seems like she kind of doesn't care for Skylar, um, I think it's, I don't know, I just, I just feel like it's more of a Walt thing. But uh, there's something else that I saw someone point out was uh, when Marie's talking about looking up poisons and stuff, she makes it clear to her therapist that she's fantasizing. And the reason she does that is because, I don't know if you know this, but like when it comes like uh, doctor-patient confidentiality, especially with psychiatrists and stuff, uh, they can't report anything unless it's clear that the, their client has become a, a danger to themselves or others. So yeah. I think by her saying, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fantasizing. It's her kind of like saying to the doctor, look, I'm, I'm doing this stuff, but you know, don't tell nobody. You can't tell anybody. That's her cover basis. So I wonder if maybe she is actually serious about this. Uh, it seems oddly specific for her to be talking about untraceable poisons in a show where ricin is a key plot point for most of the series. That seemed very deliberate on the writer's part. She should have come up with something like, I'm going to make some ricin. I'm going to find some ricin beans. And the therapist's like, ricin beans? What? No, ricin beans. That just becomes a mirror of Jesse and Walt's conversation from, you know, season two. She makes it in the kitchen. Yeah. It's purple. <laughs> purple ricin. It's her way. Yeah. She starts making her purple meth. It's like it's like Jesse with his chili powder. She puts a little bit of the sage in there, or uh, was it lavender in her ricin? But, uh, um, so yeah, after, I guess after that, there's a meet. Jesse and Walt are gonna, gonna meet somewhere, a public place. And as you said, they're going to get Jesse on the wire, 
try to talk to him. And uh, like I said, this this is where as they go into the meet and Gomez and Hank are talking about. This is where Hank sort of I don't know if you feel like he crosses the line here or what, but you know, he has no qualms with Jesse getting killed because he knows if you know if he Jesse gets killed, he's got it on tape and that he's got Walt dead to rights. So, like I said, he has no qualms at all with sacrificing Jesse, letting him die so he can get Walt. And what did you necessarily think about that? Yeah, I felt like this was the moment where uh, I stopped. I don't know if I'd say I'm not on Hank's side, but this is where I was like, oh, yeah, he's not the good guy, is he? Well, yeah, that's, that's what I wonder, like, we always talk about, like, you know, when when we when we lost sympathy for Walter White, and yeah, I feel like this is sort of a watershed moment for Hank, where we kind of lose sympathy for him. And I think it's not necessarily about who's good and who's evil, or that is a big part of it. Uh, I think the big thing of Breaking Bad is uh, choices and how the choices we make define us as people. Uh, or you know, I don't think. They're necessarily we don't have. I don't, I don't feel like we necessarily are born with a certain morality. Is it's something that we accumulate over the years, and it's something we lose with the you know, accumulation of decisions. But and I feel like this is sort of a step for Hank in like the wrong direction. And he's still the good guy, or I feel like he's he's on the side of the law. Let me say that he's on the side of the law. But he really kind of it kind of knocked him down a few pegs and sort of. Uh, I guess you'd say morality because, you know, him and Gomez are going into this thing by themselves, no backup, because if they told the DEA the whole thing with uh, the guy, the guy that Jesse sees, someone would have been able to spot him and maybe have done something. But because it's just the two of them doing this secret, you know, mission, backdoor mission, there's nothing that they can do. So they're really, you know, and I don't know. I'll just let you talk. I feel like I've, I've talked too long. No, you're fine. It is. It seemed like kind of a return of season one, Hank, who's who yeah. was a bully who never put a, a terrible amount of thought into anything he did. Yeah, and suffered due to it. Exactly. And as you said, the lives of this entire group of characters have now been forever tarnished due to one scary man who loves his daughter. <laughs> exactly. Most important character in the entire series. Now, again, this is another like one of those coincidences that ends up. Uh, and I feel like, again, some people have said, "Oh, this is just stupid to have this happen to coincidence." But I feel like that's sort of if you ever that is the essence of like tragedy. You know, these small little coincidences in everyday life that end up having huge repercussions and. Consequences for people, and it ends up dooming people. With like I said, with these small little things, they end up becoming huge. You know, in hindsight, and like I said, this—I mean, no one has ever really expected the show to have a happy ending. So to me, it makes perfect sense for something like that to, to have doomed uh, Walt and Jesse's ass. That's not, not like it's completely out of left field. I mean, it's. Jesse's distrust of Walt coming out to screw him over one last time. Yeah, exactly. Because that's always been one of the biggest problems with their relationship is Walt and Jesse not trusting each other when they probably should. 
Mm-hmm. And then trusting each other when they obviously shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, this is – I thought that phone conversation was kind of interesting because it sort of felt like to me it was a return of Jesse, of old Jesse. Because bad it seems Jesse. like – Yeah, bad Jesse because it seems like – I don't know, maybe since he shot Gail, he hasn't been the same character. Which is I love because that's character progression. But it was just it was just cool to see like a little return to form of you know he's he's throwing the yos out there. He, he seems like he's confident and he, Captain Cook. That's his alias. He is he's went by it for a while. But yeah, we saw that in season three where after Jane died, Jesse had just decided, well, I'm the bad guy now. I'm the villain. Yeah. And then whenever Walt forced his hand and really made him be the villain, he completely had his fill of that. But uh, I think now enough time has passed so that, like you said, that dark side of Jesse's personality is starting to come out. Yeah. Which, and like I said, he threatens Walt. He says, you know, I'm going to you know, hit you where you really live. And he jumps in the car or... I don't know if you remember, I love this. It's a small background detail, but Jesse's walking away from the meet, and all of a sudden you see Hank's fan just take a corner like a freaking NASCAR <laughs> pro. You know, it's just, it's a thing of beauty. And Real fucking inconspicuous. Yeah, but he pulls up, and Jesse, what are you doing? He starts cussing him out, you know, calling him Method, whatever it is he calls him. Very much like Walt would do back in the day. Uh, although not as... It's just insults. It's not he doesn't cut him to the core like Walt could do. But uh, but yeah, Jesse says there's another way, apparently a better way, and we don't get to see that because we cut back to Walt and we see that that you know that big bald, bald foreboding guy was just a guy who was there with his daughter. Although <laughs> he didn't look like it at first because he was just this like I said this very menacing man just standing there staring at Jesse. But then as soon as his daughter walks up, oh he's Mister Nice all of a sudden. He's got a smile. He was mad because he thought his daughter stood him up. I guess so. But uh, but yeah, we, we see Walt go back to his car, and he calls up Todd. And he's got a job for the Uncles of Anarchy. So, And that's how this episode ends. And uh, So with that, uh, you think you got any theories or any ideas of where this may go? That's a funny thing. Normally... I would have a few ideas, but whenever Jesse said there's another way, I was left drawing a blank. I have no idea what Jesse's other way is going to be, other than it's probably going to be horrible. Yeah. I, I did think of uh, when he said, I'm going to hit you where you really live. And I was trying to think. I think there's one of two ways I think that could be interpreted. I think one uh, – He's going to try to do something with Walt's, like his pride or his vanity. Uh, I don't know what. Maybe he lets it slip. Maybe he confesses to being Heisenberg. Do you think that would be enough to goad Walt into doing something? I don't know. Uh, uh, I think with Walt's ego, yeah. But I don't know. I think maybe at this stage with Hank on him, he would just as be inclined to let someone else take the fall. I think it would be one thing to pin Heisenberg on Hank. I think there would be something incredibly insulting to Walt about the idea of Jesse going down in history as Heisenberg. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other thing is maybe damaging Walt's legacy or his perception, or how others perceive him. So with that in mind, maybe, maybe Jesse visits Walt Jr. and tells him the truth, you know, about what his father is and sort of ruins Walt in the eyes of his son, you know. Yeah, I was left thinking it would maybe – it would probably either be something with Walt's family or going after Walt's money somehow. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be necessarily be a physical attack because with the, if he's got Hank with him, there's no way in hell Hank would – because you saw he was prepared to shoot Jesse if he didn't stop you know, with the house, burning down the house. So there's no way in hell Hank would let Jesse even get close to – to hurting one of you know one of his own family members. No, I do feel like you said there's definitely. I feel from a storytelling standpoint, there has to be a scene between Jesse and Walt Jr. Yeah. at some point before the show ends. Because because now he's the he's the only one left. Like you know we crossed Marie off the Jesse bucket list, so <laughs> he's the only one left who hasn't had you know a chance to interact with uh, with Jesse. And there has to be some kind of interaction between the adopted son and the forgotten son. Exactly. The uh, the loyal son and the prodigal son, if you will. Uh, uh, let's see. Another theory uh, about maybe how this plays is uh, the, the, the uncles of anarchy, maybe they go after Jesse, uh, but they don't kill Jesse. Maybe they tell Walt they killed him, but... As it's been established before, Jesse is just as good as Walt when it comes to cooking meth. Maybe they keep Jesse prisoner and you know force him to cook meth for him, and that maybe leads to that final showdown we see in the flash forwards. It's just the idea I had. Maybe, maybe uh, Jesse and Todd end up having this Green Lantern Hector Hammond showdown in a laboratory in a meth laboratory. Just Todd's head. Exp- you know, growing in size due to poison meth, screaming, Why can't I be you? <laughs> that's um, my theory. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I thought. There's another would-be son of Heisenberg, Todd, with the squishy-faced meth Damon son. <laughs> He's the son that, you know, kind of didn't come out right. That's definitely a recurring theme on this show. Uh, Walt's the need for the men for a protege to have a mentor and vice yeah. versa because yeah there was Jesse uh there was Gail and I feel like Gail I would, like Gail was a little too clinky as 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 a, as a protege uh, of sorts and he just wasn't Jesse I think was his biggest thing and then well, yeah. the thing with Gail is Walt couldn't fix it there was nothing wrong with Gail so he yeah. couldn't feel like he was mentoring him Exactly. Well, it's kind of a deadbeat dad. <laughs> he needs broken, broken young men to, you know, to fix or what he thinks is fixing. But uh, I guess I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to add. Uh, shoot, you've emptied me out. Yes, you've taken it all, James. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, we've been going a while. So I guess with that said, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. But uh, you've been listening to. Uh, breaking belt and I've been Matt I've been James and at least for another week stay out of our territory stop snitching yes breaking belt approves 
never talk with the police. F the police. Have a vision, you know. <laughs> <laughs>